Good morning and happy Sabbath. Let's just have a word of prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this beautiful Sabbath day. Lord, thank you for giving us this freedom that we can gather together and spend time in your word. Lord, that we pray that uh, you will be present here today. Lord, I pray that you will anoint my lips and that I will speak your word, that what you want, us, want me to speak. Lord, I pray for all of us here present, may we all learn from you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. With everything that's happening in the world around us today, do we have concerns, things that we are worried about? What are some of the things that you are worried about? What's on the top of your concern list? Would you like to share that today? Uh, let's put those concerns on the screen. Do we have any concerns in our lives? No? We do? Let's voice it. Let's voice those concerns. The... Okay. Anyone else? Okay, freedoms are, are removed. Anything else? Thank you. To be ready for Jesus' coming. Yes? Health. Health is a big concern, yes? Yes? Kids' future. Yes? Tim? Okay, Australia is a divided country today. Yep, thank you. Anyone else? Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yes, please. Finance. Finance? Yes, that's something I think we all are concerned about. Relationship with Jesus. Yes, very good. Thank you. Okay, these are, I would say, our primary concerns. It's difficult not to think about what's ahead of us. I would like you to picture this in your mind. Three men standing at a railway station waiting for a train. They were in such a deep discussion that they were totally oblivious to the train, train's arrival, it wasn't until the sounding of the whistle that the three made a mad dash towards the train, to the, towards the nearest door of the carriage. Two of the men managed to get into the train. And one, he was left behind. 
In the shadows was a man, it was a fourth man who was, who was a witness to everything that had happened. And he noticed that the man who had remained was laughing. And so he approached him and he said, Sir, I know it's none of my business, but I happen to witness everything that had happened here. And I noticed you were the one left standing and laughing. The man replied and he said, Well, if I had been watching and had seen what you had seen, I would also want to know what had happened. So he proceeded to tell him with a smile on his face and chuckling to himself, he said, those two came to see me off. (laughs) Do you follow? Okay. Some sincere Adventists are caught up in deep discussions about the end time end times of trouble ahead of us while oblivious to Christ and his promises who is waiting to take us through the last days events and to take us home we need to ask ourselves what and who is the focus of my thoughts my attention What is the subject of our conversation? Something interesting. Recently, a group of students who were studying the last day events in Southern Adventist University in Collegedale, Tennessee, USA, took part in a survey. It was conducted in the beginning of the semester. Please note the results. 49% worry about the present pre-Advent judgment. 56% are frightened of the last day events. In fact, 41% would rather die than go through the last day events. 37% they would rather enter heaven through, through, no, I'm sorry. 37% believe that they, they, they gain entrance into heaven through Christ's sacrifice accompanied with their own human works. 50% were not sure whether they would be saved if they died today. These youth are among the final generation in Earth's history, yet many of them do not want to be here. Something is radically wrong. These students had received the message about the end time trouble in Scripture, but they took it out of context and experienced unnecessary trouble and grief. One student blurted out, I'd rather go to heaven 
via the resurrection than live through the last days. How is it with you and me, you and I? I wonder whether the results would be any different if older folks were also surveyed. Which category or group did you identify with? So many people are afraid of Revelation chapter 13. Why is this chapter such scary news in the eyes of so many Seventh-day Adventists? Now, I'd like Anna to read uh, Revelation chapter 13 for us. Thank you. Then I stood, stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. Now the beast, when I saw, was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth were like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And the authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have been written um, have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, and the Im that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no man, so that no one may be may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six hundred and sixty-six. Thank you, Anna. Okay, what have we lost sight of? What have we forgotten? <coughs> Historically, Adventist scholars and early reformers interpreted and 
and identify the sea beast as the papacy. Do we still believe this? Or have we become confused by the current events that are occurring around us today? Many prominent theologians in our church have deserted, abandoned this prophecy and have formulated different scenarios. We as Adventists are waiting for the return of Christ. This is what our name means and represents. Do we still see and recognise that the final battle will be over worship? Are we aware that the Sabbath Sunday issue is central to the prophecy? Represented before us are two global churches. One church is affiliated with the world that worships Satan and the papacy. This is in Revelation chapter 13, verse 4. I'll just continue. We've already read it. Okay. Sabbath keepers who worship, the second is Sabbath keepers who worship Christ and have their names noted in the book of life and have received the seal of God who created the heavens and the earth, who sanctified the Sabbath. Where did the Sabbath originate? Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. Let's find out where the Sabbath originated. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day for all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Okay, and Luke 6, verse 5. And he said to them, The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And Mark chapter 2, 27 to 28. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Question. Is Revelation 13 an issue of worship? According to the text, yes, false worship is forced, mandated upon all mankind. But the saints will stand for the truth and worship Christ this is the theme of Revelation chapter 13. In spite of the fact that the whole world follows the papacy, Revelation chapter 13, 3, people from every nation, tribe and tongue will, will join the Sabbath keepers, and we find that in Luke thirteen twenty nine. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. Thank you. As we continue to look at Revelation 13, there are three general subheadings which require our attention. These are important to notice. Christ, in Christ, King of Kings... Babylon, the apostate church. Let's take a closer look at the two groups. Babylon is an appropriate name for this anti-truth conglomerate. 
These are like those who built the Tower of Babel, seeking to save themselves apart from Christ. In contrast, the Sabbath keepers worship the Lord of the Sabbath. Do we realize that this is much more than keeping the Sabbath instead of the Sunday day of worship? The Sabbath was given to mankind to remind us of what? Creation. Thank you. Very good. God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. Is this important? Why, why is it important? Amen. Is there a distinction between the creator and, and the created? Yes, there is a distinction. Now, question. Did Lucifer acknowledge this as a fact? Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Thank you. Who do we see also attempting to do this today? The beastly power. And who else? The enemies of God. We can all be gods. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Thank you. That theme... Satan has instilled in all of humanity. The end time saints believe that God is the creator and practice their faith and worship him. God the creator. End time uh, saints have given up on their efforts to go through the final events alone and, and, have, and save themselves. They are trusting and relying on Jesus' promises and those promises can be, can be found in Matthew 28, 20, Deuteronomy 31, 8 and Philippians chapter 4, 19. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The world never gives up on its own works. The saints give up on their works and rest totally relying on Christ. 
working to get through, to working through, uh, working to get them through. This is evident as we read Revelation chapters 14 to 19, and I'd suggest find the time and read it at home alone and ponder on what, what is written there. If it's Christ's responsibility to carry his people through to the final events, through the final events, what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to rest in him in utter, complete trust, come what may. Spending time with him daily, learning to trust him daily, particularly starting with the small things of life, is the answer. Knowing Jesus and knowing what he is prepared to do for us, we must continue to trust in him and learn to totally rely on him. This takes away the fear of the final day events. Everything less is only the building of the Tower of Babel, even if done by worried saints waiting to go through the final events. Just as Christ brought us into this world as a gift, so he will take us into the next as a gift. We only have two options. We can accept him or we can reject him. We can turn him down. If we reject Jesus, we become partners with Babylon and the enemies of God and the, word, and the world that has rejected Jesus. There is no other option. Considering the consequences of the choices we make, we need to trust in Jesus and not ourselves. That's the good news about the last day events. Frightened saints are afraid because they take responsibility for getting through the last day events, a responsibility that belongs to Jesus alone. The beast and the world depend on human kings the kings of the world will support the papacy. They, will, they have uh, one common purpose, to war against the Lamb of God. That is, Christ, man's only means of salvation. Here is the uttermost rejection of Christ's substitutionary uh, sacrifice. Satan has caused the papal system to replace Calvary with the mass. The fallen church encourages human works in the effort to replace Christ as the means of salvation. You will also find these rejections of Christ's substitutionary atonement in spiritualistic and new age literature and beliefs. The final battle is against the Lamb. Even in our pews, some have rejected the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ. Should we be alarmed? It is urgent that we grasp the truth that Christ is our substitute at the cross. And as a result of that, he has done, and as a result of what he has done. We have salvation. That's if we choose to accept the gift. What can we personally bring? There is 
excuse me, there is nothing that we can bring of ourselves. And to refer uh, to prove that or to suggest that, we, let's turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. But we are all like unclean things, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We, are, we all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Our righteousness is like what? Filthy rags. So how can we bring that to God? We can't. The place of the lamb is a final in the final events is the critical is critical. As Revelation 17, 12 to 13 indicates, the papacy leans on the kings of the world. The papacy will use human kings, rulers, the uniting of church and state in its attempt to destroy the saints. By contrast, the saints depend solely upon Calvary for their salvation and Christ for their deliverance. This should radically affect the way we look at the last day events. We should see the coming crisis in the context of of the crucified and conquering Christ. You and I are saved from all fear of all of the future, for perfect love drives out fear. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. I pray that God give us this love. The wicked depend on human power. Do we see that? We the saints depend on who? Who do we depend, who do we depend upon? Jesus. We must depend on the divine power, Christ alone, or we are doomed, lost, and will join the enemies of God in the lake of fire. So what is the difference between the two sides? We have Christ to help us. They don't. This is, the tru- this is truly the good news of the last day events. There is no third option. Having said this, does that mean that we should remain calm and complacent, sitting around and waiting, doing nothing, while waiting for the end time events? God in his wisdom provided so many counsels and warning signs of Jesus' return, both in the Bible and in the writings of Ellen G. White. So why the confusion? Stefan, I have included just a few quotes from Ellen G. White But there are so many more. Those who are living in these last days are in the greatest danger of placing their confidence in men rather than in the true and living God. The Lord has given instruction that the history of the apostasy of Israel is now to be presented because men who in the past have had great light have become self-sufficient and are looking to men, trusting in human leaders who are themselves practicing evil. 
Men who ought to stand as firm as a rock to principle are treading in the same path that the Israelites followed. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. This is the snare that has come into our ranks. There are wrong sentiments that have to be met. There are men who are acting the part of Aaron at the very time when every soul should be working to seal the law, um, the law among God's disciples. They are building up the very things that God has specified should not be built up. Thank you. Do we see this happening in the world today? Prominent theologians are speaking against what we have believed throughout the last hundred years. I recall my grandfather speaking about what's ahead of us. Anna, would you like to read the next one, please? The time is not far distant when the test will come to every soul. In this time, the gold will be separated from the dross in the church. True godliness will be clearly distinguished from the appearance and tinsel of it. Many a star that we have admired for its brilliancy will then go out in darkness. Chaff like a cloud will be borne away in the wind, even from places where we see only floors of rich wheat. All who assume the ornaments of the sanctuary but are not clothed with Christ's righteousness will appear in the shame of their own nakedness. Thank you. What stands out in this quote to you? Many a star that we have admired for its brilliancy will then go out into darkness. Who should we place our faith in? Who should we follow? Jesus Only. Yes, thank you. Uh, can we have the next slide, please? More and more, as time advances, our people will have to leave the cities. For years we have been instructing, instructed that our brethren and sisters, and especially families with children, should plan to leave the cities as the way opens before them to do so. Many will have to labour earnestly to help open the way, but until it is possible for them to leave, so long as they remain, they should be most active in doing missionary work, however limited their sphere of influence may be. What are we hearing here? We're of two minds. I have spoken to people about this subject and some, some say to me, no, that's not, that's not relevant to us. How do we see this? We have clear counsel. Can we have the next slide, please? Again and again, the Lord has instructed that our people are to take their families away from the cities into the country where they can raise their own provisions. For in the future, the problem of buying and selling will be a very serious one. We should now begin to heed the instruction given us over and over again. Get out of the cities into rural districts where the houses are not crowded close together and where you'll be free from the interference of enemies. Thank you. Now, we, the ne next quote, we will see why we should leave the cities. Thank you. 
The time is near when the large cities will be visited by the judgments of God. In a little while, these cities will be terribly shaken. No matter how large or how strong their buildings, no matter how many safeguards against fire may have been provided, let God touch these buildings and in a few minutes or a few hours they are in ruins. Thank you. As I said, these are only a few quotes that I have managed to put up on the screen. Um, we can read, we can learn so much more, and God invites us to do that. Turn with me to Isaiah 56, verse 10. Now, this is going to touch us. Isaiah 56, 10, please. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Friends, what are we hearing? Are we these watchmen? Do we have a responsibility to people around us, to the world around us? We do. I pray that we are not the blind watchmen. Now, I will say this next. This is my opinion. This is my take on it. Friends, gone are the days for advancing careers, planning investments, establishing businesses, and expanding our barns. Jesus' return is so, so close. Let's take notice from the inspired word. And may God complete the work in us that he has begun, that we may be ready for his soon glorious coming, that we may be there on resurrection morning, welcoming his return. Amen. To close this uh, divine service, I've chosen a hymn that is very special.